if you would remain standing. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, and uh, I apologize in advance for all the random verses, seemingly random verses, of which we will be drawing from the vault of wisdom from Proverbs, but for you to bookmark, and for, just so you know, we're going to be in Proverbs 13.20, Proverbs 17.17, 17, 18, verse 1, 18, verse 24, Proverbs 27, 5, and 6, and Proverbs 27, 17, and not necessarily in that particular order either, but we will read through them together, and we believe this is God's word. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father God, who is in heaven, you are holy. May your kingdom come and your will be done in this time as we gather as your people. Would you give us the words? Would you speak to us your truths? Would your scriptures shape, transform, and change how we think, what we love, and even how we live? Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would breathe your life into our bones this morning and that your word would pierce and accomplish what you would see fit for your purposes and for your glory. We devote ourselves to this. We ask that you would change us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you guys can be seated. Well, aloha, Church Ohana. How's it? You guys doing okay this morning? Hey, it's good. Wow, that's a good response. Much better than first. First service was awesome. I love first service. I'm just not a morning person. Even 10, 30 is a little early for me, if, uh, if I could have things my way. But um, hey, we're glad to be with you. If you part, are, are part of this Church Ohana and you call this church your home, we're really humbled that you take your Sunday to be with us. Uh, and if you are just checking out, you're kind of here, seeing what this church is about, we are Really thankful that you would take your Sunday to, to be worshiping Jesus with us. If you don't know Jesus, we pray that you would come to know him, that you would see what we believe as Christians uh, is in fact the way, the truth, and the life, that, that we have a book that God has written us, a book that he has revealed himself to us, and then we open up the Bible. God is showing himself to you and to me, and that's why we've really devoted ourselves to studying books of the Bible. Um, and if you do know Jesus, we just pray that your affections would be stirred, that you would grow more in love with him this morning, and that he would change you, shape you, and mold you. And 
But that's what we do. We, we just devote ourselves to studying books of the Bible. Um, next week, we want to invite you out. We are actually beginning a new series in the New Testament book of Colossians. And so uh, we invite you and encourage you to be reading ahead. The book of Colossians is an amazing book. It's an epistle written by the Apostle Paul. And so go ahead and uh, start reading that already. And um, so we encourage you, invite you out to come out for that. It's just what we do. We study through books of the Bible. Today, we actually finish up a five-week, or five-month, rather, sermon series in the book of Proverbs. And as we've gone to the book of Proverbs, what we're doing is we're really devoting ourselves to studying wisdom. And, and instead of devoting ourselves to studying wisdom, we're looking at godly wisdom that brings about our human flourishing. See, as Christians, we distinctly believe that if life is going to flourish most, that we must devote ourselves to what God has spoken and revealed to us. What is God's wisdom? What is God's understanding? If we understand what God has revealed to us and we apply those truths to our lives, hence the word wisdom, we will flourish. And that's what we've done for the last five months. And today we wrap up this series talking about wisdom for friendship. We're going to be looking at wisdom for friendship. Now, you will not find a wise person who doesn't have good friends. It's impossible. You will not flourish without friendship. Whether that means you are a good friend or you having good friends. And so, Knowing that and understanding that we need wisdom for choosing good friends. We need wisdom to be a good friend. And so in our search for wisdom for friendship this morning, we will really answer the following three questions with this vault of wisdom from Proverbs. Or you could say there are three points or there are the three movements uh, together as we make our way through God's word. And the first is why friendship leads to flourishing. The second thought, or the second point, the second question we're going to answer is, what friendships lead to flourishing? And then finally, we will talk about how friendships lead to flourishing. So why friendship leads to flourishing, what friendships lead to flourishing, and then how friendships lead to flourishing. So first, why friendships lead to flourishing? Now, as we are going to ease our way into Proverbs, I wanted us to kind of pull back and look at big picture before we jump into some of the specifics here. That as we ease our way into Proverbs on friendship, something on this topic about why friendship is so important is, is actually something, uh, something that, that I could not help but think of um, that came up in our community group actually a couple of years ago. Uh, something that a friend, uh, Michael Rader, pointed out in our community group that I actually found was really helpful. And at the time, we were discussing a truth from Philippians 3.17, where Paul says, brothers, imitate me, join in imitating me, in other words, as, as he, Paul, imitated Christ. And, and I thought something that Michael, I'm summarizing what he said, but it stuck with me because I thought it was so good that in our community group, what he said was, and he wisely pointed out, that while Jesus is enough for our salvation, we need physically embodied Christians to help us grow in Christ-likeness. Like, so good. Like, 
Jesus is fully sufficient to save us and to redeem us and to purchase us from our sin. Yet, part of God's plan is that we would do life with physically embodied Christians or friends to help us grow in Christ's likeness. And it's interesting to, to take that thought and extend it. As Christians, we have the forgiveness of sins through Christ's blood. As Christians, we, are, we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside our lives. That as Christians, we can be reading the Bible and we can be praying, yet have an element missing that is vital to our flourishing. We can have all of those things, yet miss an element vital to our flourishing. That is friendship. It's relationship. The reason why is because God has designed humanity and the Christian journey. Humanity, aside Christianity, God has designed humanity itself for friendship and the Christian journey for friendship. Like Proverbs 18, if you go to Proverbs chapter 18, uh, verse 1, to, to argue from a negative point of, what, uh, of why friendship leads to flourishing. Um, Proverbs 18, 1, this, this verse on wisdom says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So what, what Solomon is saying here is the unwise person pushes away from friendship. They, they push away from the table of friendship. And the reason they do so is because from their perspective, from their position, uh, they've sought their own desires. They seek their own desires. He or she have gone after their own desires. And when they do so, they're actually breaking out against all sound judgment. Well, of course they're breaking out against all sound judgment. Because they're, they're pushing up against how God designed humanity to flourish and live. And not even just humanity, but specifically even the Christian to live. So of course it's breaking out against, notice the extremity there, all sound judgment. In fact, it doesn't even make sense. So wisdom calls out to us and says here, indirectly, we need friends. That if we're not going to be unwise, if we're going to be wise, we need friendship. And so if you find yourself falling into selfishness or seeking your own desires, what's happened is you've bought into the lie, whether it be from yourself or the enemy or this culture, that if you seek your own desires, that is where you're going to be, be most safe. That is where you're going to be most protected. And, and, and it could be any unbalanced commitment. It could be a good commitment to become an unbalanced commitment. So commitment to family. That we are so overly committed to our own family, our own ohana, that no longer are we willing to extend friendships outside beyond our own family. It could be an unbalanced commitment to individualism, right? Seclusion, this idea of consumerism that it's all about me, or, or it could be through sex, or it could be through just trying to be a civil good person by doing good deeds. It could really be any type of sin. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. Whoever breaks, and he breaks out against all sound judgment because the very thing you need in a moment of sin and seeking your own desires is not isolation the very thing you need in that moment is friendship in fact we push away from what god intends to help us to cause us to flourish we push away and we rebel against the very way he designed the universe to make you guys we were made for friendship 
We were made for relationship. In fact, we were made so much so because even in the Imago Dei, the image of God, you and I were made in God's image and God himself is in relationship, is in friendship, right? You have one God who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From eternity past, in eternity present, to eternity future, there's perfect communion, there's perfect love, there's perfect service to one another. In other words, what is that? Friendship, right? In fact, when God said, let us make man in our own image, that's where we get the word Imago Dei, the image of God, that we are made in the image of God. Who's God talking to? The Son and the Spirit. Let, let us make man in our own image. For what? For the sake of having friendship and being in relationship. In fact, Jesus, who is the second person of the Trinity, the Son, stepped and came to this earth as fully God and fully man. And as fully God, on this earth, embodied in human skin, if anyone didn't need friendship, it was Jesus. But what does Jesus do? He picks 12 friends to do life with. And I love you this morning, but just so you know, you're not better than Jesus, okay? If Jesus needed friendship, and he is God in the flesh. What makes us think in our wildest imagination that we can make it on our own and flourish without being known and having rich, meaningful friendships? So whether it be unbalanced commitments to something other than friendship or you've sought out your own desires in seclusion, regardless of where you're at on the pendulum, we need friendship we were made for relationships we need one another and so that is uh, answering why friendship leads to flourishing because god created us as relational beings who were meant to do life with one another so that's true then what types of friendships what friendships lead to flourishing what friendships second point lead to flourishing proverbs eighteen twenty four. same chapter just look at verse 24 a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now you may realize that in, in our day and age, similar to even Solomon's day, day and age, it's not hard to find companions. But to find a friend who is going to stick closer than a brother, that's not going to be easy. And so up front, I'm just letting you know, this call to friendship and growing and understanding and wisdom for friendship, you guys, it's not going to be easy. And our mobile transient culture where people leave uh, more quickly, they're, they're, they're moving, they're, they're, they're just, it's just really transient. It takes a long time to build a friendship and in a moment's notice it's easy to, to lose a friendship or at least for the relationship to be hindered in one way or another. It's easy to have many companions, but a friend who sticks closer than a brother, just as acknowledge it, it's hard to find. This is not easy and so when verse 24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, wisdom here is almost provocatively saying, when it says there is a friend who sticks closer than the brother, that is, would have been a controversial statement back then. Similar to Hawaii culture here in the islands, the, the culture then was very much centered on ohana. They, they, 
The family was the most important. The family was the cultural value. And so for wisdom to say there was a friend who sticks closer than the brother is almost like, wait, so you mean it's not all about family? Well, we're not saying family isn't important. It is important. But in addition to family, we need friends. We need friendship. Your sibling is your sibling. Now, when we say family, we're saying a friend is closer than a brother, a brother or a sister. We're speaking of siblings here, not a husband and wife relationship. And he isn't saying your sibling is important. In fact, they should be there for you. After all, they're blood. There's no one else who has the same blood uh, as you. It's, it's your family, and you should be committed to one another. And wisely, we should be. We should be there for one another. But on top of Proverbs 18.24, Proverbs 17.17, 17, says a friend loves at all times. A brother is born in adversity, or his brother is born for adversity. So again, on this idea of family and friendship, uh, oftentimes when life hits the flan, fan, flan, flan is good. I took it to Mayo yesterday. Hopefully you enjoyed some. I didn't. <laughs> okay, when life hits the fan, who do you run to? Oftentimes family, right? Brothers or sisters. And that's good, and that's natural, and that's okay. But this is not putting down the family here. A friend loves at all times a brother is born in or adversity, or is there a friend who sticks closer to the brother? What it's not doing is it's not putting down family as much as it is elevating the importance of friendship. We need friends in addition to our family especially in a very family-centered culture similar to that of Hebrews like our culture today. And let's just be honest with you. Like, fa- friends are good, like, but friendship is unique to, to your sibling. I mean, sometimes when you want to go out for a drink after a day of work or whatever, go hang out or go out for a bite, you may not always call your family. You'll call your friends, right? Why? See, we love our family right? But we don't always like them. Amen? But hey, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. And so we, we may not be picking up the phone, calling our brother or sister, hey, you want to go hang? Maybe you are great friends with your siblings, and that's awesome. But what wisdom is making the distinction here, friendship is unique to a sibling relationship because friends, unlike family, they have no obligation. They aren't stuck with you like siblings out of obligation. They chose you. You chose them. In fact, that's what it says in Proverbs 18.24. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In fact, that word for sticks in the Hebrew is the word, maybe you might be familiar with it, cleave. Similar word that is used in Genesis uh, when, God, when the man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Not quite the same word, but similar. Cleaving, the idea is adhering to, similar to glue, like super glue, that type of language. A couple of weeks ago, I was trying to fix something with Gorilla Glue, and I was, and I, the little jar, I was like squeezing this thing really, really tight, and squeezing it more and more, building up the pressure. I'm like, why isn't it coming out? I'm like, oh, I gotta poke it, right? So, I'm blonde, okay? <laughs> Preface that. I look at the, I just offended some people in here, it's okay. Uh, you know it's true. I took the pin, and I'm like, look at it. I'm like, all right, here we go. And right as I was popping it, I realized, oh, I should turn my face away. Super glue all over my face, all over my mouth, in my nose. Uh, trying not to get high because I'm like trying to wash off the super glue. Just really 
really weird, and he just adhered to my face for days. This idea of, of sticking to, sticking close, that, that's a friend, right? A friend is someone who said, I'm, I'm committing to you, I'm here for you, that through, from day to day, to month to month, to year to year, I'm clinging, I'm adhering my life to yours, where, where your life has been joined with theirs, and hopefully, ideally, their life has been joined to yours, because there's nothing more awkward than someone who has decided to be your friend when you haven't chosen to be theirs, right? It's got to be mutual clinging. It's got to be mutual sticking. A friendship that is so rich that their pain becomes your pain. Their victories become your victories. Your successes, your life, your, your dreams, your hopes, they are often interwoven with one another. Though different, still unique. See, companions, they come. Companions go. Oftentimes, companions lack empathy and compassion, but a friend who is willing to stick with you, oh, they must be willing to be vulnerable with you, to open themselves up, to be willing to be hurt, to be willing to experience your joys. And it's this, this exciting but dangerous journey that we can live and, and experience with one another, but, but, but dangerous in the sense of emotions because we could be exposed to hurt, but also the reward or the benefit of a godly friendship brings about flourishing in ways we could not imagine. So I just want you to know that building authentic friendship takes time. It's, it's this idea of mutual sticking. In fact, that's what Proverbs 17, 17 says. A friend loves at all times. It takes time to love at all times. This type of friendship is going to take a while, but true friends, they love you all the time. They don't bail on you right away. Sign up first, something <laughs> should bail on you at all, right? Because if you're a true friend, you love at all times. You love in highs, you love in lows, through trials and through successes. Cultivating true friendship requires dedication, it requires time. It requires vulnerability. It just does. And those are the type of friendships we should be looking for, and that's the type of friend we should be. Because a friend loves at all times. I struggled with this. In fact, I had just, um, I was a year after high school, my best friend for nine years, um, who's a Christian brother, just was going through a lot of stuff. And he was in a dark place, and and you just drifted um, and was into all types of different messes. And so I was actually talking with my dad about it. I'm like, you know, Dad, I, I'm done with this friendship. I, th I think I'm done. I'm, I'm kind of over it. Like, it's been a lot, and it's been hard. And my dad asked, well, why? What's going on? And I said, you know, I'm not getting any, uh, anything out of this friendship. And he's gone so far. And my dad wisely said, Maybe you're not getting anything out of it. But maybe this friendship isn't just about you getting something out of it. Maybe he needs you. Because a friend loves at all times. In fact, he said, uh, he, my, my dad went on to say, that God is at work in ways you cannot see. And if you bail on that, you may be bailing on the very thing of which God would intend and have. In fact, when my friend would eventually hit rock bottom, a year later, when he called, and the place I picked him up from was one of the most grotesque places ever, in tears. When, he got, when I got the call, I was there. I dropped everything I was doing. I went over there. 
And looking back, two years later, no, I'm just kidding. It's not true. A long time ago, <laughs> a while ago, I realized a friend loves at all times. And had I bailed on that, we would have missed out on what God would have had for both of us. Now listen, I'm going to be honest. I'm not the hero of the story. I was the one who needed counsel. I was in lack of sacrificial, self-giving love. I was in it for me, not in it for the relationship's sake. When we understand what types of friendships lead to flourishing, we must understand that God, I have looked back and I can see that God wasn't just orchestrating things for my friend. He was doing it for me. This relationship was as much as it was for him as it was for me. I needed my friend in different ways than he needed me, but God was both showing us our ultimate need for him. And friendship does that in unique ways that even a sibling relationship or other relationships cannot do. See, in the story, I was the older brother. I was the prodigal. And my friend, he was the younger son who had gone off and rebelled. But you know what we both needed? We both needed the embrace of a gracious father. And that's what we experienced in that moment. Now, I just have to say a disclaimer. In the New Testament, in Matthew 18 and other places, there are certain ways we should go about handling a relationship. About There are times to cut off a relationship. For time's sake, we simply cannot go there. But I would just point you to Matthew 18 uh, as a way to kind of wrestle with those things. But I fear that oftentimes we bail on relationships too quickly. We're not, it's not that we're not culturally, rarely are we too committed, right? We just have a lack of commitment. So we have to realize that beneath the casual conversations and the acquaintances and getting to know people, that God is orchestrating a plan for our holiness. And one of the ways he does that is through friendship. So the people that God sovereignly brings into our lives, in fact, the world views this idea of friendship as sort of randomness or accidental, chaoticness, but in relationships, because we believe that God is sovereign, there is purpose in everything, including the people who God has brought into our life. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. In fact, C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, on this very subject of friendship and sort of the idea of accidental friendships and what, what God is actually doing in relationships. I'm just going to read this quote to you. It's amazing what he said. C.S. Lewis said, but, and I quote, for a Christian, there are strictly speaking no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward of our discriminating and good taste and finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. sovereignty of God in the relationships of which he is placed brings about a richness that you intend or that he intends that we if we do not see him at work in the relationships that we have will miss out on the flourishing that he would have for us see when Proverbs says there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother beyond our choosing is God divinely appointing friendships for us to make us more like Christ. 
God has chosen us to be friends with one another, to belong with one another in such a way. And true friends, they're willing to make themselves vulnerable to stick close and love one another at all times. So these type of friendships, hey, they, but just so you know, they include your spouse. Your spouse should be your best friend. They're not less than being a best friend, but they should most certainly be a friend. And so we have to realize, like, oh, really? Like, I thought I chose my spouse. Maybe, maybe some of you think I chose wrongly. Well, God chose your spouse for you. Taking C.S. Lewis's quote and understanding the sovereignty of God, that relationship, that friendship is meant to make you more holy, to make you more like Jesus. This is true for, hey, some of you got roommates. You're like, I did not choose my roommates. You didn't, but God did, right? God chose your roommates for you. Those are relationships that may develop into friendships that are made to mold you and to shape you into the image of Jesus. This is true for neighbors. This is true for the church. It's true for us doing life together, obviously, as a community of faith, for your coworkers and so on. Because a friend loves at all times. All times. See, the reason the richest friendships are the ones that stick to one another is because they have been together long enough in relationship and the relationship has been tested and that relationship has required forgiveness. The relationship has required grace. The relationship has required hope. In reality, I'm afraid that some of us bail on friendships too quickly because we're afraid to apply the gospel to that friendship. But the friendships of which we say we're going to love at all times will experience the gospel being applied in very practical ways that you and I would never otherwise experience had we not been in relationship with one another. If you understand why friendships lead to flourishing, because it's part of God's design. If you and I understand what type of friendships we should have and what type of friends we should be that would bring about this type of flourishing, then how do these friendships? Can we understand why? We want to know what type of friendship we should be. So then how do these friendships lead to flourishing? How? The first is by being candid. Or, in other words, by being really honest and genuine with one another. Proverbs 27 is a verse that I'd point you to. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Just being candid. It's not just enough to have friends. True, genuine, authentic friendship can be candid and honest with one another. So much so that that your true friends will not always tell you what you want to hear, but they will tell you what you need to hear. If the friendship cannot be candid and honest, then the friendship is built on a lie. And how close can you really be? How unified and how intimate can you be if if it's built on a lie, if it's built on an untruth. 
That's why an, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Friendships that will flourish are friendships that can be truthful and honest with one another. In fact, the animation that is given here uh, in Proverbs is that friendship will wound you, inevitably. Have you ever known the language? It will inevitably wound you. And it will either wound you by flattering you, by not telling you the truth, and enabling you to continue on and in helpful ways, because you would rather keep the friendship, you'd rather have hidden love than, than have an open rebuke. Better be quiet, I don't want to say anything, I don't want to hurt their feelings, because I've, and if you're hiding your love, that's what Proverbs is better as an open rebuke. You're harming your friend when you do not speak the truth, and, when needed, and, you will harm them if you do tell the truth. And if you're a friend who needs to be told the truth, you will be harmed. But it's not harm recklessly. It's harm that inflicts a wound that brings about healing. My son recently broke his arm, and he had to go to the doctor to get on a cast, and it took forever, but by the time they, they actually had to cause more movement of the bone, which inflicted a little bit of pain to, to get the bone reset. And oftentimes, that is what it looks like Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We're willing to hurt one another, not for the sake of hurting one another, but to bring about a healing that would show us that this person really loves us and that we really love this person. A friendly wound is a faithful wound. A friendly wound has purpose. It's meant to heal, not to destroy. It's meant to help you and to draw you towards God. Okay. How else does friendship lead to flourishing? Not just by being candid, but also by understanding God has designed friendship to shape us. Friendship shapes you and me. Here's some verses, Proverbs 13, 20. Proverbs 26, 4, just for references, and uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Here's just some references. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 26.4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. In 1 Corinthians 15.13, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Don't be deceived. Hang out with a moron. You're going to be a moron. Like, What did you learn at church tomorrow? Don't be with morons. That's right. In fact, to be with a fool and you answer that fool according to a, a folly, even just with language, we can find ourselves acting foolish like them. But do life with a wise person, you can become more wise. It's so simple yet so true and biblical because those who you share your life with will shape your life. Are you hearing me right now? Who you share your life with will shape your life. So be very careful with the friends that you choose because they are going to shape you. Well, Jesus shapes me. Yes, and one of the ways that we are shaped, the way God intended to design friendship, is that friendship shapes us as a people. For better or for worse, friendships will influence you. It's like this is something we're teaching our kids all the time, especially with the where they go to school. We're telling the boys, hey, boys, are you choosing good friends? We're always asking them. That was one of the questions we ask them most often. Who are you hanging out with? What are they saying to you? 
What are you talking about? Are you being a good friend? Are you being a bully? How are you behaving? Who are you listening to? Who do you spend time with? Because I, we understand as parents that those people who they do life with often are going to shape them and influence them in ways that I think we can often underestimate as parents. And if it's true for a kid in kindergarten or third grade or fourth grade, how true is that for you and for me? See, it's interesting because this is, Proverbs is a book of wisdom written from a father, primarily Solomon, to his son, giving him wisdom. And it's almost here as though Papa Solomon is saying to you and to me, show me your friends and I'll show you where your life is headed. If we chose the five closest people you do life with, we could probably get a pretty good idea of where your life is going to be going. Because friendship forges our character. Friendships, they influence how we think, how we listen, how we feel, how we view the world. In fact, if you think I'm taking this too far, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Relationships forge. Relationships shape. So if I, if I can just extend the metaphor that, Paul, that, that Proverbs 27, 17 gives. If iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, who is sharpening you? Who is forging you, and who are you forging? Or, who's making you dull? Who's bringing your life down who's negatively influencing you because we cannot be careless with friends wise people do life with wise people so what makes them wise right part of wisdom understands that i want to be around people now i'm not saying we shouldn't have friends who are different than us that's actually one of the points i'm going to make here in like two seconds but what i am saying that we need, we need people who are going to make us more like Jesus. In fact, one way I think iron sharpens iron, as Proverbs 27, 17 says, is I think part of that, just practically here, having a diversity of friends. Have a diversity of friendship. Like, do not do life with people who are exactly like you. It gets a little bit creepy after a while, Okay. So years ago, um, when I was living on the mainland, one of my kind of nerdy friends invited me. I'm sorry, I'm going to offend some of you right now, but I don't really care. Um, he invited me to go to Comic Con, okay? You've been? You guys ever been? Super interesting, okay? If there was any group of people who needed a diversity of friends, let's just say it's those who go to Comic Con, okay? I mean, I was there, and I was hanging out with my friend, and... And I'm like there, and it's like looking at, and there's full-grown adults dressed up as these comics who are, who are using lines from movies or comic books, and they are actually, I'm not even kidding you, full-grown adults reenacting parts of their character between parts of the conference. I'm like, where am I right now? This is crazy. 
Things get weird when we don't have a diversity of friends. Don't hang out with people just like you. If iron is going to sharpen iron, that means we are going to be needed to be hit from different angles if we are going to fully flourish in the image of Christ. Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with tax collectors. He had smart people. He had not so smart people who were his disciples. He had a diversity of friendship. And as Christians, our plans for our relationships should not be our own agenda. They need to be aligned with the sovereign plan of God. And that through Christ's blood, we have been called to love and befriend his purchased people. Which means our friendships should be distinct and unique and not all about us. But we should be doing life with people who are different than us. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. You have new blood relatives and that blood runs richer and deeper than your own family. If Jesus loves the person you're sitting next to so much that his blood was shed for them that we would be purchased and bought as one people, should we not be committed to the people who Jesus is committed to? We need friendships. We need these types of friendships of which we say, I need diversity of people. So our friendships, they should be diverse in age. should be diverse in age. You should have friends who are younger than you. You should have friends, mind you, who are like you. That's okay. Who are like you, who are your peers. But you should also have friends who are older than you. Titus chapter 2 is just full of that. It's so good. But honestly, and hear me out on this. Our friendships should also be diverse ethnically. We, as the people of God, should be doing life with people who do not look like us, talk like us, act like us, think like us. Like the gospel is diverse, and if our lives are not diverse, then, then we're not living out the gospel fully. Because Christ has called Polynesians, he's called Asians, he's called Latin, Latino people, he's called American and European people, all as a family through the blood of Jesus to do life with one another, and our friendships should be diverse. In fact, if we, do not, if we only do life with people who are our age, same income, or same skin color, we are committing the sin of classism, of ageism, and of racism. Our friendship should be diverse. So that means people with darker skin are going to have to make themselves vulnerable, learn how to do life with people who aren't so dark, and people who are not so dark need to learn how to do life with, because we've been called to be family. And by the way, you know, we're, we're in a different culture. Like, I'll acknowledge it. Like, I... I'm a holly white boy that God planted. He did it, not me. I, I love it here, though. Don't get me wrong. I love it here. I love it here. I love the culture here. And I, even for me, like God is growing me and showing me what does it look like to not be, um, to, to learn to do life with people who are so gracious and who are so loving. And you know what? As I've grown in relationship, people who are different than me, and my wife, my, my kids included, we have learned to love this place in ways so uniquely because there is a beauty in having people who do life that looks differently than us. And I just want to acknowledge that. We need to be pursuing those type of friendships. Okay, I went long on that point, but whatever. Um, okay, lastly, how does friendship change us? I know I've got three sub-points under this last point, but this is the last point of the last point. How does, how can friendship change us? Friendship fulfills the ultimate human need. The need to be loved and accepted. The same, the same thing that you and I have in common, 
no matter what background or racial diversity we may have, or the same thing that everyone at Comic-Con has, is a desire to be in a community where we are loved and we are accepted. In fact, that's why Comic-Con people do love with Comic-Con people. We all intrinsically, I don't care what you believe, you're, I don't care who you are, at the end of the day, we boil you down to you and me down to me. We desire to be loved and accepted. To be fully known, to be entirely known, to be vulnerable, to be unceasingly committed to one another where we stick to one another. And if you yearn for that, or if you once had that and you miss that, if you don't have that type of friendship, or if this is not the type of friend that you are, May God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, use everything we've talked about previously to stir up in you and to you to take action upon these things that we've talked about. Because our greatest need and desire is to be known and fully known. And this may sound cliche, but I have to say it's so true. Guys, there's no greater friend than Jesus. There's no greater friend, companion, relationship you can have than with Jesus because Jesus fulfills ultimately our ultimate needs to be loved and to be accepted. He knows you fully. He knows you entirely. Jesus loves at all times. Jesus sticks with you. He walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He is with you on the mountaintops. In fact, he is with you even to the end of the age. Not because you deserve it. Not because we've earned it, but because he is gracious. We love him. We have relationship with him because as First John says, he first loved us. He went after us. He loved us. He befriended us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. This is the gospel. The gospel is that God would be friends with unfriendly, unloving people because while you and I haven't been faithful to him, he has been a faithful friend to us. I cannot help but think of John 15, 12 and 13, where Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Oh my gosh. What type of friendship are we talking about here among the people of God in the church? Verse 13, and greater love has no one than this. Then someone lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater friend than Jesus. There's no greater love than Jesus. And because of the cross, because of the cross, you have all the love and the acceptance you are searching for and the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And even if these earthly relationships and friendships will fail, and they will, you have Jesus. But that doesn't mean we throw the baby out with bathwater. We should pursue friendships because in those, we will experience the love of Christ in ways we would never have otherwise experienced. That's why Jesus' commandment is to love one another. But you were only promised this type of friendship if you love him, if you know him, if you trust in him. You must believe and you must know that the cross is the only way you can experience this type of friendship. And if we are not friends of God because of sin, we are inevitably enemies of God. Do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Are you friends with him? We by his grace, because he loved us first, we love him back. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, 
You befriend sinners. You love us even when we didn't love you. That there is those, there are those in here this morning who are not Christian, who do not have a relationship with you. Even as we're praying now with our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, do you have a relationship with Jesus? There is no greater friendship you can have. All other earthly friendships are just cherries on top of the greatest friendship of knowing and loving Jesus. If you are not a Christian this morning, do you see that God has moved towards you? Do you see that he loved you first? Confess that you've been an unfaithful friend. Confess that your sin has separated you from God and that you desperately need God. And you will experience his kindness and his friendship. Believe on his name. Believe that he is Lord. And we will not be servants who do not know what the master is doing, but he will look at us and he will call you friend. Lord Jesus, for those in here, even as we're praying, who are Christians, they're just struggling for this type of friendship. God, I just pray that, Lord, you would provide an abundance of friendship, of rich, meaningful friendship. To be lonely, Lord, to be secluded is so hard. Would you be their companion? Would you comfort them? And would they look around this room after this worship gathering and realize that, God, you've provided a community of abundance of friends to, be, to do life with us? And Lord Jesus, may we believe and understand that there is no greater love than for you to lay our li- for you to lay your life down for us. And because you have loved us greatly, we can love one another. May we believe that is your command, and may that be evident as we do life together as a people. Jesus, thank you. May your Spirit do a work in us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.